0: They carry AAPI owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com.
1: It's Tuesday, February 15th. I'm Gideon Resnick.
0: And I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And this is What a Day, the podcast that got in between Kanye West and Julia Fox because they were both so in love with it.
1: Yes, do not believe the tabloids. They broke up because of a love triangle involving our podcast.
0: In addition to news, we are interested in wrecking.
1: We embrace chaos at WOD. It's true. On today's show, the U.S. relocated its embassy in Ukraine for the safety of diplomats. Plus, Canada's Justin Trudeau invoked a never-used act to override certain civil rights and to clear out protesters.
0: But first, yesterday marked the start of in-person early voting in Texas ahead of the state's March 1st primary. It also gave the rest of the country the first look at the effects of Senate Bill 1, the state's restrictive voting legislation. One of many bills to be introduced after the 2020 presidential election, SB1 banned drive-thru and overnight early voting hours, made already difficult and restrictive vote-by-mail rules all the more so, gave partisan poll watchers more freedom inside polling locations, and established criminal penalties for certain kinds of voter assistance. It's all very bad. This was the bill that was so contentious that it led to a Democratic walkout from the legislature last year.
1: Yeah, and the results so far have been as bad as we and I think everybody else has come to expect, if not even worse. There are countless stories of mail-in ballots being rejected. In Harris County, for instance, that's home to Houston and also the third biggest county in the entire country. Election officials said an astonishing 40% of ballots reviewed as of late last week had been sent back. And Texas is just one of nearly 20 states that will hold elections this year with more restrictive voting laws in place, a direct result of Republican-led efforts to validate former President Trump's lies about the 2020 presidential election. So for more on what is happening in the state, what's to come, and what the rest of the country can anticipate, we have with us today James Slattery, a senior staff attorney with the Texas Civil Rights Project. Welcome to What A Day. Thanks for having me. So there have been tons of reports of voters across Texas having their mail ballots returned already in advance of yesterday. How does that relate to the passage of SB1 and what other impact is SB1 already having in the state?
2: It is a direct impact of Senate Bill 1. Uh, Among its many provisions, it's a 76-page bill. The problems we're seeing now emanate from a new requirement that voters put essentially their... Texas driver's license number on their vote by mail application Mm. and their ballot. And that number has to match what is in their official voter registration file. Uh, And basically everything that could go wrong with this process is going wrong. So voters are putting down their driver's license number just like they're supposed to. But the voter registration file has not been updated by the state elections office to include that information. Mm. Or voters are simply not seeing this on the form. Some people are even using older versions of the forms that they have found online that, of course, do not have the fields. And so that's what's driving this. And it's going to drive a lot of other malfunctions, we think.
1: And we saw an unbelievable statistic that more than a quarter of absentee ballots that were mailed to Dallas County election officials as of last Thursday have been rejected. That's according to the Dallas County Election Administrator's Office. Have you ever seen or heard of that many absentee ballots being rejected?
2: Not in a democracy that's doing a free and fair election. Like that is the kind of thing that you see regularly in an authoritarian state. And I don't say that lightly. I think that the voter suppression that we're seeing in Texas and elsewhere is now reaching the level that really you have to question, is this a free and fair election if 28, 30, 40 percent of mail ballots are being rejected?
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's a shocking, shocking statistic. And look, it was already hard to vote in Texas. Can you walk us through how it was made even more difficult after these restrictive laws were passed last year?
2: Yeah, and I I think it's important to dwell on that just a moment that— it was bad enough already. Mm -hmm. So according to a landmark study in 2020 that measured how hard it is to vote in each state, they found that Texas was the hardest place to vote already Mm. in the entire country. Things that voters elsewhere take for granted, we don't have. We don't have online voter registration. Only a few Texas voters get to vote by mail. You have to fall into one of a couple narrow categories. And you have to be registered to vote at least 30 days in advance of the election, which is the maximum amount of time that federal law allows a state to do that. Mm. Right. SB1 just turbocharged that situation. So the new vote-by-mail requirement that we're seeing that is problematic, it gives expansive new protections and powers to partisan poll watchers who have a notorious history of being partisan vigilantes against people of color Mm. in the polling place. The bill banned drive-through voting and 24-hour voting, which were used in Houston in 2020, one of the most diverse cities in the country, and used disproportionately by people of color. Right. And it's no accident that then in the first legislative session after that,
1: they get rid of it. Yeah, it's mind-boggling.
0: Right. Right the Texas Secretary of State, John Scott, he said in an interview with the Associated Press that he didn't think these problems would persist for the runoff elections in May or in November. What do you make of that?
2: Oh, well, (laughs) so John Scott, for those of you, especially outside of Texas, who don't know of him, he is our state's chief elections officer as of last September. He's a former Stop the Steal lawyer who was part of a litigation in Pennsylvania. To try to overturn a free and fair election and install an unelected authoritarian into power. Uh, he comes into office late last year and says that his first priority is going to be an election audit, one that Donald Trump publicly pressured and badgered Greg Abbott into ordering. And I think that we are now seeing it's not just necessarily SB1 that is causing all of the problems, but also the fact that the Secretary of State's office has prioritized chasing down conspiracy theories and doing Donald Trump's bidding in this audit rather than fortifying our election systems for this election. Mm. Either he saw it coming and just didn't prepare or he didn't see it coming and didn't prepare. And either way, I wouldn't trust anything he says about what May or November is gonna be like.
1: Mm. I'm curious if there is any sense here of this kind of blowing back in anybody's face and what lesson, if anything, do you think other states with later primaries would take from what we're observing in Texas?
2: The sponsor of Senate Bill 1, uh, Senator Brian Hughes, who is a key ally of Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, has gone mysteriously missing uh, in every article in 2022. They note, well, we asked him for comment and we never heard back, which is Quite striking since uh, when Senate Bill 1 was being considered last year, he was omnipresent and always Mm -hmm. available Mm -hmm. for a comment. And I think that's pretty telling that people kind of want to try to get um, their fingerprints off of it. A lesson for people outside of Texas. One is that this is not going to be a Texas only problem. Mm -hmm. Texas is a focus right now because the law is genuinely very bad. But we are also merely the first primary of 2022. Mm -hmm. And other states, like Georgia, has Mm -hmm. their own bill. Uh, Other states have had other bills. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to expect that they won't also have the voter confusion, Mm -hmm. the voter disenfranchisement that we are seeing now. We are just previewing it for everyone else. Mm -hmm. I think the other lesson is that we would not be dealing with this at all. If Congress had passed a fix to the Voting Rights Act last year, Absolutely. Um, if the Voting Rights Act had been restored, the process known as preclearance would have blocked this law and mm-hmm. voters wouldn't be suffering. And voters are suffering because 50 Republican senators and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, said that the filibuster was more important than voting rights. And these voters are the ones being harmed for that choice.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly infuriating. According to a January and February CNN poll, there was something like 56% of respondents saying they have little or no confidence that American elections reflect the will of the people. There's a lot to unpack there, I'm sure, for why people are saying that. But what do you say to people who lack confidence in our elections today?
2: Well, one I would say is that Texas, the Secretary of State, under its predecessor, testified before the legislature that even they thought the 2020 election was smooth and secure. Mm. And there's been no evidence of any widespread fraud, any tampering with the elections process. I would also say, quite truthfully, that this is a concerted campaign to create doubt, Mm -hmm. to sow mistrust in the election system. And we saw the effects of that in the legislature where people would come up and testify and say all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories for why elections should be restricted. And it's all part of a systematic campaign to, I think, get people used to the idea that elections are not necessarily what chooses leaders in this country. That you can instead have a legislature, for instance, Mm. select an alternate slate of electors and that's the person who becomes president. It could not be a more dangerous campaign than what we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we really appreciate that, James. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, no, thank you for uh, spending time uh, with us virtually here in Texas.
0: We are unfortunately going to have to keep talking about this very soon, but that is the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads.
1: Some updates on the Ukraine crisis. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that he was told that Russian forces would invade the country on February 16th. Now, the comment sparked international concern, but seems to have been lost in some translation. Zelensky's spokesman later clarified that the president was only referencing a date circulated by the media and did not mean what he said. Literally, there was some talk of this being uh, an ironic thing. I don't really know. Still, the U.S. is preparing for a Russian invasion that its forces believe could happen any day now. Yesterday, the country closed its embassy in Kiev, that's Ukraine's capital, and announced that it would move its diplomats to a city further west in the country. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said yesterday as well that the move was out of concern for their safety due to the, quote, dramatic acceleration in the buildup of Russian forces. Blinken is referring to the hundreds of thousands of troops that Russia has amassed at Ukraine's border in recent days. Even so, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said yesterday that diplomatic efforts with the West are, quote, far from exhausted, and that he wanted them to continue in the coming days.
0: Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took the unprecedented step yesterday of invoking the country's Emergencies Act for the first time ever. It gives the federal government the very scary sounding or just very scary power to override people's civil rights to free movement or assembly. Trudeau promises that he only plans to give police more legal tools to clear out the anti-vax blockades and protesters that have overtaken the country for weeks.
2: These tools include strengthening their ability to impose fines or imprisonment.
0: Yeah, Gideon, I'm not a fan of this, I gotta Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. Never great when the government's like, don't worry, we'll only use it against people we... Don't like. If protesters need to pay off fines, they might not be able to count on the $9 million that were raised for them on the crowdfunding platform GiveSendGo. That site, which describes itself as the number one free Christian crowdfunding site, a lot of variables there, mm-hmm. was hacked and disabled yesterday, and the hackers leaked info on the donors as well, revealing that more than half of them are from the U.S. If you're wondering what kind of person would send their hard-earned Benjamins, Washingtons, and Lincolns to another country's <laughs> vaccine protest... Here's the message Travis Moore of Idaho sent with his $17,000 donation. Quote, let freedom ring, brothers of the North. Cryptocurrency is the future. So was he really sending Benjamins, Washingtons, and Lincolns, or was he sending...
1: Ethereum. Yeah. Dogecoin. Right. Various other means. Yeah. We don't really know what his... Right. What his Coinbase wallet was looking like. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, yeah, every person mentioned in that headline, everything was not a fan it of. It wasn't good. No, I
0: don't like anything no... involved.
1: In other news... Baby got back to Alaska, that is, because a federal judge said that he would throw out Sarah Palin's defamation suit against the New York Times after determining that her counsel did not provide enough evidence to support her libel case. For those of you who didn't follow my joke earlier, it's in reference to Baby Got Back, which Palin once rapped on The Mass Singer. I added to Alaska because that's where she was once governor. But I digress. Palin filed her suit in 2017, claiming that The Times defamed her by unfairly linking her to a mass shooting. But District Judge Jed Rakoff said that he would dismiss the case entirely after the jury reached a verdict, as it had already begun deliberating when he announced his decision. In other news about the harrowing collision between conservatives and things that are printed on paper, former President Donald Trump's longtime accounting firm cut ties with him last week. The firm Mazars USA, not to be confused with Zabars, uh, but it sounds similar in my head, announced the split in a letter to the Trump organization saying it could no longer stand behind the annual financial statements it prepared for the former president. Now, these statements are crucial to New York Attorney General Letitia James' civil investigation into whether or not Trump unlawfully inflated the value of his assets for financial gain. In a statement, James said of the letter, quote, The evidence continues to mount showing that Donald J. Trump and the Trump Organization used fraudulent and misleading financial statements to obtain economic benefit.
0: I really hope my accountant never <laughs> says they can't stand by the work they did for me. That would you be, don't want to
1: hear that, right? Yeah, it's not That sounds like the
0: worst thing to hear.
1: mm Mm -mm -mm.
0: Gideon, here's your regular reminder that words have power. Thousands of baptisms performed by one Catholic priest over the past 25 years have officially been classified as invalid by the Diocese of Phoenix. Oh, no. Meaning the people who received them were never truly admitted into the church because the priest mistakenly changed one word while administering the ritual
1: get out
3: of here.
0: Last month, recognition of this error led to the resignation of the priest, Reverend Andres Arango. Specifically, Arango had been saying, we baptize you instead of I baptize you. Like many of us, he forgot part of an important password, only in this case, it was a password that devout Catholic people need to log into heaven. (laughs) Oh no. The Vatican has weighed in on the we versus I issue before, making it very clear that the substitution is not acceptable and that those who are baptized this way must get re-baptized. Wow. Suffices To say lots of people in the greater Phoenix area will be taking a dip in the near future, (laughs) along with people in San Diego and Brazil, where Arango previously had parishes. But even greater questions loom, such as whether people who were baptized by Father Arango and then got married can officially consider their marriages valid in the eyes of the church. On this question, the Diocese of Phoenix has weighed in with a not so comforting, quote, maybe. Maybe. Tough. That's what they said, maybe. Maybe.
1: Maybe your marriages are valid in the eyes of the church of wad we
0: baptize all of you in the church of wad
1: exactly we're allowed to say we Mm -hmm. uh because we are not catholic priests but if you are a catholic Mm -hmm. priest i think you should be sure to say i uh which is the lesson that we are trying to impart from reading the news and those are the headlines That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, use your words carefully if you are representing a religion, and tell your friends to listen.
0: And if you are into reading and not just messages of support slash endorsements of cryptocurrency like me, <laughs> what it is, also a nightly newsletter, check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice.
1: I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and baby, baby, get, get back, back to Alaska, Alaska Sarah, Sarah Palin. Palin. That's right. You can eat at... Another Italian restaurant there that may not check your vaccination status. That's true. And
0: they don't care. Be comfortable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But please also get vaccinated. Don't, yeah. Don't walk in with COVID anywhere. Thank you. Right.